I don't feel like I need to preach today. That was so good. Can we just affirm the young adults for leading us out this morning in worship? I consider myself so blessed to be at a church uh, that empowers our young people to get up, to lead, um, gives them the opportunity to, you know, to make mistakes, to grow, to learn, and to really just blow us away with how talented and passionate they are about Jesus, about serving Him, about praising Him. Um, and and I, I love that about this church. If I haven't met you before, my name is Lockie and I'm one of the pastors here at Gold Coast Central and uh, I just want to extend a huge welcome to you, whether it's your first time, your hundredth time or anywhere in between that or more or less. We're just so grateful that you're here. We want to extend a huge welcome to you. If you're visiting today, especially, could we give a huge round of applause to our visitors, our guests? Welcome. I've managed to, to meet a couple and reconnect with, it, with a few today. So it's, it's so good to have you here um, in this space, worshiping with us this morning. If you are joining us for the first time or you're a bit unfamiliar about um, our why as a church, why we do things, I want to share our vision here as a church as, as we kick off today's message. Um, and it's this, it is to draw our community into a loving relationship with Jesus. Very simple, right? Very simple. But it's something that we can all be a part of, whether you follow Jesus, whether you don't follow Jesus, whether you're just considering it or thinking about it. There is always an opportunity for us to draw closer in our relationship with Jesus, to take that next step. And the way we're doing that this year, we have a theme for the year and we've called it Walking the Way. Right? So in everything that we do and all that we're talking about and all the ministries that we run in every church service, we want to be hitting this theme of Walking the Way because we believe that journey of following Jesus is one that's not a sprint. It's not like a one and done kind of deal. It's a lifelong thing. It takes a step day by day. And it's something that we can't do alone, right? And so we want to go at a pace as a church where we can walk, not by ourselves, but do it together. And that's what this year's theme is all about. It's about taking that journey. And over the last four weeks, we've been talking about walking the way in terms of doing it with the Holy Spirit. And we've called this series Steps to Personal Revival. And as a church, we've been reading a book together um, after each week. And if you haven't got that book yet, we've still got plenty of copies in the foyer. Uh, so if you'd like to make a donation of $5 to get one of those, you can. If not, if you can't afford it, if money's an issue, then that's not a problem. We'll happily give you one for free. Um, because what that book does is it walks you through a journey of, of discovering the Holy Spirit, of understanding it. And it, it points us to Scripture and tells us uh, about how we can learn about and journey with the Holy Spirit. It's a really powerful book, so I'd encourage you to get on that journey if you're not already. But we've been doing this series for three weeks now, and we've been talking about the Holy Spirit a lot. Um, and Murray shared a message last week about how the Holy Spirit isn't just some life coach. If you remember, if you were here, he had his chair set up. He showed us a few good self-help books. But what his big idea was is that the Holy Spirit doesn't just want to be another self-help coach. He doesn't just want to make your life a little bit better. The Holy Spirit wants to completely transform you. He wants to completely make you into a brand new person. And, and before that, for two weeks prior to that, Pastor Mike, he talked about the Holy Spirit and, and how the Spirit is, is naturally like fighting against the, the, the sinful nature within us and how we need to empty ourselves of our sin, of our brokenness. We need to make ourselves available to be used by God. And I'm very excited to land the plane on this series this week as we talk about part four of Steps to Personal Revival. So there's one thing that I always found really fascinating about Facebook or Instagram or social media, and it's this thing called clickbait. You're probably aware of it, you're probably familiar with it. Uh, I always found it really interesting the way that people could take something really simple or really mundane and dress it up in a way that made me want to click on it and actually learn about it. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, I have a few examples that have kind of come up on the screen behind me here. Uh, but have you ever wondered why the iPhone has a mysterious hole next to the camera? Some people are like flicking their phones up and down, they're like, hang on. What's this hole doing on my camera? And now you're intrigued, you're enticed, you want to click on that link and work it out. Or maybe you want to find out 
what happens when a car accidentally runs over banana peel like in Mario Kart, right? Does it spin around in circles? Does it flip out? I don't know. I want to click on this and work it out. Or maybe this one. This is my personal favorite. Um, it's, I just find it a bit funny. But there's a right way to hang toilet paper. And this is the best fit. And it could save you a trip to the doctor. Oh, doesn't that just excite you? Mate, I want to read about that. I want to save myself a trip to the doctor. That's awesome. But the reason I'm sharing this is because sometimes in a, in a faith sense or like in, in, a, in a religious sense, we see these things that seem like clickbait or they seem like certain things and we kind of can write them off because we're like, well, that sounds a bit too good to be true. It sounds a bit too great, or a bit too crazy. And the, what I'm about to put on screen next might seem like that to you, but I encourage you to, to journey with me today as we go through scripture, as we unpack it, as we learn about the Holy Spirit. But this is kind of what we're talking about today, that there is something that if you had more of it, would change everything. And that something is the Holy Spirit. If you had more of the Holy Spirit in your life, it would change everything. So I'm going to pray and we're going to get into it. Father in heaven, I thank you once again that we can come together, that we can read your word, that we can do it here in a country where we're actually able to meet in the same room. We don't take it for granted. God, I ask that you would rid me of myself, that you would fill me with your spirit and speak through me now and that you would give every single one of us a receptive heart to the word you have for us today. And I ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have a Bible, I invite you to open it up. We're going to go and start in the book of Luke. Uh, Now, if if you're not really familiar with the Bible, you haven't read it too much before, um, there's these things called books, and they're written by over 40 different authors over thousands of years. And the book of Luke is the third book in the New Testament, New Testament being the second section of Scripture. And it's one of four Gospels. Gospel is a word that means good news, and these four books are about the life and teachings of Jesus. And the book of Luke is one of these four Gospels in the New Testament of Scripture. And when you open it up, you'll see some big numbers and you'll see some little numbers. The big numbers, they represent what we call chapters and the little numbers, verses. So we're going to start in Luke chapter 11, so big number 11, and we're going to start in verse 5, small number 5. And here, Jesus is talking about prayer. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And he's trying to combine the two together. And I absolutely love the kids' story we have before because that is where we're going to jump in today. It's talking about the same thing. So Luke chapter 11 and verse 5. And it says this. It's on the screen behind me as well, so you can read on there as well. It says this. Then teaching them more about prayer, he, Jesus, used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight. Sounds way too much like college. Wanting to borrow three loaves of bread or go to Maccas. That sounds more like college. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. So there's a friend in need and he goes at midnight to his friend's place and says, I need help. I don't have food. Uh, Can you please help me? This is sounding more and more like college as I'm talking through it. Far out. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. Kind of like a funny story. I think sometimes we read scripture and we think there's a distinction between the spiritual and like the the funny. Uh, But I think Jesus is actually speaking a little bit tongue-in-cheek here and he's telling a funny story to point out a really important truth about persistence. And when I was about uh, 12, there was something I really wanted to do with my life. And I talked about this at a week of worship at the school a couple of weeks ago. And I'm wondering, can anyone remember what I wanted to do when I was 12 with my life? 
table tennis. I wanted to represent Australia in table tennis. Uh, my parents will remember and can verify this. I had a, a desire to, to, to play table tennis for Australia for some reason. Uh, and I had a passion for it. I loved it. And so I would ask my parents very regularly for a table tennis table. Um, I'd ask them, whether, it wasn't daily, but probably weekly, if I could have a table tennis table. And it came to Christmas of that year. And I remember looking under the Christmas tree and, and being such like so blessed in my childhood. I didn't want to complain, but I didn't see any presents for myself under there in comparison to my sisters. They had heaps of presents and I had a few and I was like, hang on, why am I missing out? But I didn't say that because I was like, I want to be grateful. <laughs> Anyways, after we do presents, they say, oh, we've got one more for you. And they take me into the media room and there is a brand new tennis ta table tennis table set up, ready to go. My persistence paid off. <laughs> Problem is, to get better at table tennis, you need someone to verse. Um... And it's fair to say that my family did not share the same passion for table tennis that I did. And I ended up probably playing a bit more with like the other end tilted up and just hitting it against the end than actually versing someone else. So um, unfortunately, I did not make it uh, to represent Australia at the Olympics in, in table tennis. But my point here was that my persistence in asking demonstrated to my parents that I wanted what I was asking for. And I think there's something to be said for persistence in prayer. Not because like we twist God's arm by the more we ask for it. Because that's not what it's about. But I think what it demonstrates is our desire to, to have that which we ask for. But as we keep reading this story, Jesus starts to transition. And he continues to talk about persistence. And then he, he links it up with this idea of the Holy Spirit. So Luke chapter 11, verse 9 to 10, Jesus says, And so I tell you, keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. For everyone who seeks, finds. To everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You see, it's easy to ask for things that you're passionate about or that you desire or that you really want, right? It was easy for me to pester my parents about a table tennis table because I really wanted it, right? But if I'm being completely honest, when it comes to the Holy Spirit... That was something that I always thought I needed and knew that I, I should want, but I never had that like desire in my heart to really want the Holy Spirit. Like I wanted it to just happen, but it, it, for whatever reason it didn't. And I really struggled with that for a long time because I knew like intellectually I wanted this next level in my walk with God. But for whatever reason, I, I didn't feel it on a, in a heart to heart sense. I didn't like desire. I didn't really feel that desire that I wanted. And one day someone said something not very profound to me, but it was profound to me where I was at. And, and they said this, they said, well, why don't you ask God to give you a desire for the Holy Spirit? I was like, wow, I never thought of that. <laughs> like, it seems so simple when you hear it. And that, that's actually what I started to do. For the next few weeks, I, I started to pray. I said, God, can you like, make me want the Holy Spirit? Can you give me that desire? Like, I want to want the Spirit. I want to want that for my life. And what I found is that with that persistence, with asking, I actually started to desire the Holy Spirit more in my life. I actually started to see God working more in my life. And I found that I came to a place where I wanted the Holy Spirit because I realized no longer that just that it was a good thing to have, but that I needed it for the day-to-day -day moments of my life. That I needed the Holy Spirit to be working in my heart. And so Jesus says, everyone who seeks finds, for everyone who knocks the door will be opened. And then he says these words. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? 
Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you're sinful people, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? That is an incredible promise that we have as followers of Jesus to receive the Holy Spirit. This, this last passage here where Jesus says, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit? He's actually using a traditional uh, teaching technique used by rab- rabbis called the Karl Vahoma. The Karl Vahoma. Turn to the person next to you and say, Karl Vahoma. It's kind of a weird, it's like a bit of a, doesn't sit in your mouth real well. But um, it's, it's actually something that rabbis would use to, to teach about God or to teach about um, their, their body of teachings that they had. And it's kind of like a, it's like a, if A, then B is even more so. That's kind of the structure of it. So it's like me saying, um, if the Queensland uh, State of Origin team last year were bad, then the New South Wales team must have been even more so bad, right? Remember how they were all saying, like, Queensland, this was the worst team ever, and then they still won, right? If, if, if Queensland were bad, then New South Wales even more so, right? Um, or maybe, like, if, if NRL is a good sport, then AFL even more so. Can I get an amen? Amen. Thank you. <laughs> and all the Victorians said amen. No. But that's kind of what, what, what's going on here. Jesus is saying that like, if, if you can have confidence that an earthly father is going to give a good gift to their child, then how much more so can you be confident that God will give the Holy Spirit when you ask? But because God is good, God is faithful, God is powerful, and God has made this promise. And He is faithful to His promise. So He says we can have confidence that we receive what we ask for when we ask for the Spirit. We can be confident that we receive what we ask for. We can have confidence that God will give the Holy Spirit because of His goodness and generosity. Church, that is good news. Because as Murray shared last week, Jesus said these words. He said, It is actually better for you, my followers, that I go so that you will receive the Holy Spirit. You see, it's, it's, like, it's as if throughout history, God had been getting closer and closer and closer to humanity to the point where he decided he wanted to, to, to literally reside in our hearts. That's why elsewhere in, in the Bible, you'll read about our bodies being temples of the Holy Spirit. That God wants to live in our hearts. He wants to be in us. He wants to, to be with us on the journey of life. And how do we receive that? Well, we, we read more in uh, the book of Galatians here. Paul, who's, who's another uh, apostle, uh, an early church writer, a great leader. Um, and he writes this. He says, Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles, which is you and me, because we're not Jews unless you are Jewish. Um, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham, who was his chosen person, his chosen nation that he was going to use throughout human history. God blessed them with the same blessing so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. So if you want to receive the Holy Spirit, if you want to have God reside in you and be in your heart each and every day, you can receive the Holy Spirit through faith. Well, what is faith? In Hebrews 11, we have a pretty good definition. It says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. Other translations will say, faith is confidence in things hoped for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. If I'm being honest, I love to be really certain about things. I love to um, have a really tangible thing to base my beliefs on, my faith on. But what this verse seems to suggest 
is that if there's one thing you can be certain of about faith is that there is an element of uncertainty to it. Because if you could have complete certainty about everything, it wouldn't actually require faith to follow God. Right? If you had certainty about everything in this life and in terms of who God is and what He's done for you and what that means, what your purpose is, if you had complete certainty, you would not need faith to follow Jesus. And so we're encouraged to walk by faith, right? To walk without complete certainty because it's in that space that we're reminded of our need for God, of our need for the Holy Spirit. And how great is that promise that even though we're walking without complete certainty, that we can do it with God residing in us, with the Holy Spirit residing in us. So I've been talking a lot about the how, about how we do this. But it comes to that question, well, what, what would it look like for my life if I actually was filled with the Holy Spirit, if I was being used by the Holy Spirit? And Gemini painted an incredible picture of that last week. So thank you for sharing uh, your story, Gemini. If you, haven't, if you weren't here last week or you didn't get to catch that, I'd encourage you to go back on our church Facebook or YouTube and watch last week's service because Gemini talked about the way that, that God has been working in her life. And we, we often think of the way God works as being those mountaintop experiences, those really high moments, or maybe the really low moments when we desperately need God. But I want to suggest today that God wants to work just as much in the day-to-day in the more mundane activities of life as he does want to work in those big moments. A couple of years ago, I started um, writing down my prayers. I started writing down in the list the things that I, that I wanted to take to God. And what, what I would start to do is I would pray for them and then if I'd see it answered, I'd move it over to another list which I'd call my praise list. And that was about 18 months to two years ago. And I was scrolling through it the other day and it took me like three or four minutes on my phone to scroll through the list of prayers that God had answered in my life. And that's not anything because of of me. It's not anything because of what I've done. But what I was able to see is the way that the Holy Spirit has been working in my life over the last two years. And if I'm being honest, church, like the last uh, few weeks and months, like I've, I've had some real challenges like on a personal level in my own walk with God because I've, I've had friends that have recently decided to step away from faith, right? Friends that I studied with, friends that I did life with for a long time. And it posed a real challenge for me because I thought, man, if these guys who were so on fire for God could step away, it made me start to second guess myself, right? I was like freaking out a bit. But then I went back to that list and I saw the things that God had been doing in my life. And I just started to like, it just started to break me apart because I realized that the Holy Spirit has been walking with me, has been journeying with me. And that no matter how far I've felt or how far I've tried to hold back God from from being as a part of my life, he has been persistently chasing me. And last night I went to a program called Ingrain and and Dave, who's here today, uh, he shared an incredibly powerful message about the God who draws near to us. And and, and that message just hit me so hard because I was in a space where I needed to hear it. Um, So thanks Dave for letting God use you last night, man. But but as, as I reflect on that, as I look at where I've come over the last, you know, few weeks even, I just see the way that the Holy Spirit has been drawing near to me each and every day. Even when I've been struggling or feeling down or feeling a bit out, that God has been drawing near to me consistently. You know, we read in Galatians 5 what a life with the Spirit looks like. And we read this verse, and again, Paul's writing here, and we unpacked this a lot last year in a series called Thrive. But Paul writes this, he says, The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love joy, 
peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And there is no law against these things. As I look at that list, I don't just see a list of cool ideas of, of random things that are good. I see things that I want more of in my life. And I don't know about you, but chances are, as you look at that list, you probably see something on there that you want to see more of in your life. And these are the things that the Holy Spirit wants to bring out of us as we ask to be filled daily. And so as I come to a close of today's message and as I invite the band back up, I want to leave you with with a couple of things that have really changed my relationship with God and my relationship with the Holy Spirit. And the first thing is this, if you, if you want to be filled with the Spirit, if you want God to, to fill you each day, you actually need to recognize your need for the Spirit. You need to recognize that, that there are things in this life that are too difficult for you to overcome by yourself. And that's going to take humility. It's going to take prayer. It's going to take time. But as we recognize our need for the Spirit, what we realize is that the Spirit of God isn't cake for special occasions. It's actually bread for daily use. That the Holy Spirit isn't like the icing on top that you know, makes all the things like really good. But, but the Holy Spirit is actually a comforter if you need comfort. If you're feeling down, the Holy Spirit is an encourager. If you're feeling like you lack strength, the Holy Spirit is, is an empowerer and, an, and a strengthener. The Holy Spirit is the very presence of God with us in every moment of every day. So when we recognize our need for the Spirit and we ask daily to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We can be confident that He hears our prayer, that He's answered it because we receive it by faith. And so as I conclude today's message, what I'm going to do is I'm going to say a prayer. And if you want to participate in this prayer, this is a prayer for the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've prayed this prayer every day for a long time. Maybe you've never prayed this prayer before. But I, before I pray, I want to come back to that claim that I made at the start, that there's one thing that if you were to have more of it in your life, it would change everything. Because I've seen in my own life the way that the Holy Spirit changes things the way that the Holy Spirit brings healing to broken places the way that the Holy Spirit encourages people to speak up to share their story to bring healing to help people to find freedom I've seen the Holy Spirit work and I want to see this church be more and more filled with the Holy Spirit each and every day every week every moment so if you want to join me in this prayer now church I invite you just to bow your heads and to repeat after me dear Jesus Thank you for your love. Thank you for promising the Holy Spirit. I recognize my need for it. And I ask you to fill me today. In Jesus' name, amen.